0: Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Hey folks, this is Graham Brown in the Asia Tech Podcast studio today with Eddie Lee from Love Eighteen. Eddie, welcome to the show.
1: Hey Graham, nice to meet you here.
0: And I'm especially happy because you're in the studio and you bring treats, gifts as well. So this is the purpose of being here. We're gonna talk about Love 18, we're gonna talk about chocolate. Right. importantly and your business journey as well yes so um, I, I think maybe first things first let's get down to business let's right. eat chocolate because this right. is what you're about before before we open these boxes tell us a little or maybe whilst you're doing it tell us a little bit about the story okay no
1: um lovely thing when we first started me and my wife we talked about you know we want to start something that meaningful that we can use as a, one of our retirement plan so when we look into all the products in the world right now there's only chocolate and water, mineral water that you can sell to practically everyone. Mm. The old, the young, you know, the kids, you know, uh, different regional people, different uh, races of people, everyone eat chocolates. Yeah. Okay. So the market should be huge. And uh, after that, we dive into this business and we realize that 90% of chocolate in the world right now or in uh, the Asia context, uh, sugars candies yeah you know they they are not really healthy and if you want to eat quality chocolates you have to play pay a very expensive price wait wait so we're going to talk about right, healthy then. chocolates all right. today all right <laughs> yeah right. so checking all yeah, the boxes we dive into one thing is that you know produ- uh, producing the healthy uh premium uh yeah. quality handmade uh preservative-free, you know, uh, fresh chocolate. So that is the area that is pretty underserved right now in the Mm. whole Asia market. Mm. So that's where me and my wife decided that, okay, we want to do something that my kids can pick up from the kitchen and eat right away without worrying, you know, what is inside there. And that's how we started that.
0: Love it. Excellent. And it's it's a, it's not just a labor of love, obviously, with the name, but right. this is a business because obviously, as you say, chocolate's yep. an international thing as well. So we'll right. talk a little bit about the business, but I, I, I really want to get down to the business of sampling your chocolates as right. well, any yeah, if we may. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see the the unboxing ceremony of the chocolate. But also, if you're listening on Asia Tech Podcast on the podcast itself, you'll, you'll be able to enjoy the oral delights of the yeah. listening to right. me, somebody. So what, what do we have here? Yeah,
1: this is us.
0: A... All right, let me, let me just take these right. and then, okay, so, let, okay.
1: So these are two type of products that we have. The soft chocolate uh, or yeah. in Japan is called Nama chocolate, correct? Ah. So yeah, this is a 60% uh, raw uh, hammock chocolates without preservative okay and it's fresh mm. yeah as you eat it you know it melts that is in so, mouth. Good. That right, is so okay. good. so we call it first love you know because it's our first love eating mm. product you know and it give you the fresh you know the direct experience about chocolate that is too fresh yeah. Mm.
0: Um just keep talking. I'm just enjoying it. Right. So.
1: Yeah. The other one, um, you know, is uh every piece of this bonbon that we have on the other box, a green color, that yeah. is uh, our uh, beautiful life series. Mm. Okay, when we look at uh you know creating a chocolate, we want to create a meaning to it. We to can we get a can
0: we get a close-up of that one? Right. We?
1: So every piece of this chocolate actually is hand painted by our Chocolate tears, right what? and it's yeah. like a
0: marble, doesn't it it's like a piece yeah. of art like
1: marble, some say they look like galaxies you know yeah. other paintings that we have is they really look like a galaxy, so we call it beautiful life for one reason because uh, every piece of this first is really presented very beautifully, secondly is that we find that it's really like our life, okay mm. every life is unique difference, okay, and this beautiful life chocolate want to use as inspiration to the people live your life you know with a purposeful meaning
0: yeah, right. Oh, that was so good. i just go back. I want to talk a little bit about the chocolates itself. I know you mentioned Japan. It tastes a lot like some of the Japanese chocolates I've sampled, which are almost like, I don't know if it's based on sort of a Belgian style of chocolate, but that very very soft, it just melts in your mouth. Yes, right. That's what you call Nama. Yeah. Is that right? Nama. Yeah, right. Yeah. So where did the inspiration for the actual chocolate come itself?
1: Well, um, actually, you know, in, in the whole chocolate world, there's two schools of thought. One is coming from Belgium, the other one coming from uh, French. So uh-huh. uh, our chocolate, you know, is very much rooted into the French style uh,
0: yeah. that we want to drink. Okay, so explain yeah. to me. As, as a novice... <laughs> As a novice, what's it right. about? What's the difference?
1: No, uh, Belgium chocolate. If you if you um, you know eat any Belgium chocolate, always you taste the first thing is that you taste the taste of the flavor. So yeah. whether it's a mango chocolate, you taste very strong mango, then followed by a very light chocolate there. Right. okay but if a french chocolate then uh, you taste the very strong chocolate mango it is a substitute of the flavor then.
0: Oh, I see. Yeah, so
1: they're, they're the authentic you know, so you, your style romantic. is the
0: french style and yes. that's chocolate first right. and then the sort of the nuance of the flavor Come second after. yeah, yeah great, right i like yeah, that so that's what about. good okay yeah. we're speaking the same language here right. so all right uh, okay uh, i i can talk about chocolate for hours just purely from Consumer interest. When, I know you said like you were looking at this as a business with your wife. Where, where yeah. did the genesis of the idea come from? What were you doing before Love um, 18? How did that come about? Were you in F&B? Would you, what sort of things were you doing?
1: Well, uh, yeah, I was in IT all the while, uh, internet, mm. um, call center, uh, very much into IT for like 20 years. Um, five years ago, me and my wife, we thought that, you know, I, I've been always overseas in Philippines and uh, other countries. So my wife and me thought about we have to start something right. you know back in our homeland. So that's why that, you know, we pick up chocolate. So the dream that we have been always have it you know, long in our mind that, you know, kickstart it. And here you go. Well, slowly we started at our mm. home uh, selling online then after that, our first cafe and then today we have uh, three outlet all together. Right. Okay. So you have physical outlets we have as well. Physical outlets okay. yeah, so we sell online, we have physical outlets. Yeah. We do a lot of pop-up stores, um, you know, in shopping malls yeah. as well, in events as well.
0: So yeah. how, do you, how do you compete? Because I imagine it must be, you're not just competing against chocolate brands, you're competing against everything else that people can eat these days, right? So how mm. do you stand out against all of that?
1: No, uh, very first thing when we look in the product uh, itself, because I have been the entrepreneur for like 10 years so mm. when we first designed the product uh, i look through the entire chocolate industry and you know see people selling bonbons selling truffles yeah. and this nama is you know only one brand that is selling nama mm. in in the whole market then we choose the most easiest entry barrier and so go into there and make our brands appear in a lot of events mm. to let people taste our chocolate so what we do i think differently is that really we let people sampling our chocolates mm. all the time take it as a marketing fund to really you know support to create the awareness, and true enough, because of that, a lot of media, newspaper actually pick up us, yeah, uh, and come and do interview about us. And uh, I think up to date, we have most features uh, chocolate brand in Malaysia, yeah, uh, and all the public media, even uh, television, come and interview us as well. Great, right? So that we we take a uh, you know a very um, you know startup mode to to start this thing, yeah, yeah. So our always be shoot into the the consumer mass market chocolate uh, market market space because you see even a lot of people thought that chocolate is more gifting but the true biggest market size is actually about self-consumption chocolate yeah we are a lot huh? yeah that's how you buy Kit Kat to Crave you know to right, sell right, right. uh, uh, you buy uh, Ferrero Rocher all those brands yeah. that is the biggest market 90% of people Even for,
0: would brand. you put yourself in that sort of category of premium chocolates or luxury chocolates Did, I mean some years ago that used to be the case is that brand. how it is now or you just see yourself as just mass market mass lifestyle marks, market Mm. right so because we see that even uh, you know KitKat
1: actually um, you know the CEO of KitKat as we say that uh, you know the future is about trendy lifestyle mm. okay and that's why uh, in Malaysia KitKat actually uh, start a lifestyle store for you to really go and customize your own Nasi Lemak chocolate
0: Nasi Lemak chocolate yeah, and oh they my have god
1: a, a lot of different chocolate they have uh, what does that taste like, like? <laughs> wow well, yeah until you have a chance to really right, taste it and you know but uh, it's really interesting and uh, you know because they're in the mass market to move into a lifestyle that is a challenge yeah okay so um there's a reason he closed it. Mm. That's a that space. And so Godiva also trying to go into a lifestyle. Yeah, know, yeah. From being a very premium, they go into lifestyle, but they have a challenge. So, what Starbucks. does that mean? Does
0: that mean sort of having a, a premium brand and trying to make expand it out, but trying to retain some sort of identity and cachet? Yeah. And- They're
1: trying to have a cafe lifestyle uh. and they don't compete into the space that Starbucks is very strong in. Right. Okay. okay. But you know, they, they are in the two different ends. You know, one is a mass market and the other one is on the very uh, yeah, high end luxury yeah. market that when they come to this segment of a lifestyle, it's not where consumer you know look at them as. Mm. So Or both of them are not really doing good. Uh we also happen coincidentally in that lifestyle you know, category. Yeah, you know, we are not too expensive, but uh, we are better than those mass market and you know ex coincidentally we just fit into that. And yeah, that, that give us yeah.
0: I want to talk a little bit about the story because I think mm. that's a really important part of any kind of lifestyle brand in defining it and getting PR and getting people on board with mm. your mission, so to speak, with right. creating you know, great chocolate. Yeah. Before we do that, let's talk a little bit about where you are as a business mm. and you know, what you can share publicly about, you know, what size you're at or, you know, mm. your raise as well. So you're you're actively raising funds at the moment. What's yeah. the situation?
1: Um yeah, we yeah, um until end of last year, it's all fully self funded. Right. Okay. Then uh, by you this, and your wife. Yeah. yeah. Me and my wife. So until recently, we see that our, the market is ready to establish as mm. a larger brand. So that's why um, we go in for massive expansions. Um, up to date, we have three outlets all together. But yeah. end of this year, we're probably running at 10 outlets. So uh-huh. um, we are raising a fund for our next 12-month expansion mm-hmm. into a total of 15 outlets um, because we want to get out to the consumer and let them engage with us. Let them experience our product. You know, lifestyle is about engaging and experiencing. Right. Right? And this confection, know, chocolate is a confectionery market. You already have it in bread. Okay, we have bread talk. Okay, people can see how you do the bread. And yeah, people yeah. can really experience your, your product, your brand, right? And uh, Starbucks, you know, coffee also, you can see the ham brew, you know, freshly brewed, and you love
0: that experience. Yeah, it's experience, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, right exactly. Because you can go to McDonald's and get it for half the price, yeah. twice as fast, but Starbucks, right, yeah. there you go. It's experience that, you yeah. know, enrich you.
1: You don't see that in chocolate yet. And that is what we are doing for all the new others we have, right? Right. Um, People don't go there just to buy chocolate and walk away. They go there, they talk to us, they engage with our salespeople, Mm. they learn how we make our chocolates, you know, and they ask us questions about why our chocolate is different than other. Their whole education engagement, you know, really make us different.
0: Yeah. yeah. So that whole story, that package. Right. So you are raising at the moment. Can you talk about how much you're raising? Um
1: yeah. Um when, we share, number, by right. the way, so. when we share our numbers to 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 some investors, they say we are raising raising a very small amount. Mm-hmm. Um we're raising a hundred thousand to three hundred thousand uh, dollars mm-hmm. dollar for our next twelve month expansions. Yeah.
0: So that will get you more face to face, more frontline exposure to consumers with these outlets. Correct. And yeah. where are the where are these outlets placed?
1: Oh, well, um, we have uh, one in uh, Bukit Tinggi in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a French uh, French garden. Then uh, one in uh, Bangsa, which is uh, one very premium uh, place that we're going to run a cafe there mm-hmm. as well. So beyond just uh, selling the chocolates, we also do some chocolate cafe style. Then uh, we have two more in the sports club. So it's a golf club mm-hmm. that uh, we we'll open up. Then uh, two in a new shopping mall.
0: Right. Right. And so for you to get your name out there, you're not, I suppose, I mean, you you mentioned KitKat as an example or Nestle, Mars, these companies, they have huge advertising budgets and that's how they build their lifestyle brands, right? right? But you're doing it frontline in the same way. Mm. You've mentioned Starbucks already, rightly so. I mean, I can't remember last time seeing a Starbucks advertisement. I mean, all frontline. And as well, I mean, take it out of chocolates and into tech, Apple. Mm as an example, built their brand through their retail stores. And I think if you look at the data, 62% of Apple employees in the U.S. worked for Apple Store. So it was a retail brand and Mm. they didn't have to invest billions in advertising because you walked into an Apple Store, you talked to the Apple genius guy who right. knew everything about the laptop and the iPad and could really sort of like, you know, again, it's the experience, isn't it? Correct. And it's the same as what happened in Starbucks. Yes. And that's kind of so important to brand building yeah. today. That right. That's what it's all about. Yeah. So, you know, I see what you're trying to do and you're creating that brand by how you touch people in the real analog world, right? right. So yes. that's kind of how I'm trying to interpret what you're doing. In the same way, in a similar way, Starbucks did it and Apple did it. Right. So for investors, there's that growth story, isn't it? Potentially, at Starbucks, yeah, right. Apple, comparables, yes. maybe. Yeah. So I can so, see why they say hundred to three hundred thousand is is <laughs> a small amount.
1: Yeah, that that's really for our next twelve month expansion, and we, we take it this like our seeding phase. I mean, the seeding, yeah. uh, our own seeding is there already, but uh, we take this as our first phase of uh, raising money. Mm. Yeah, to really uh, look into a bigger picture later on.
0: Okay, and. Let's talk about the the business itself. So right. it's yourself and your wife. I yeah. mean,
1: how many people are on your payroll? Um, right now we have 15 full-time employees. Right. Here with us. So uh, around 40% is on the sales. Yeah. And 60% is on the production.
0: And how how do they do that sales? Is it sort of B2B sales? Are they phoning up retailers? And- no,
1: uh, all is B2C. Yeah. So uh, these are people who are frontline, uh, talking to the customer, engaging it. the customer. Yeah. yeah.
0: Right. So how how do you do that? Because I, I imagine like for you, those... Mm people that you have, the B2C salespeople are your brand effectively. Yeah. So, you know, when you talk to them, it's how they interact and now you could spend millions on advertising, but how that person interacts and tells the story about Love 18 yeah. is the brand for Correct. that customer, right? So how are yeah. how you sort of... What's the word? Like not institutionalizing. How are you packaging that within your team? Because well, well, as you, you grow, that's going to be a challenge. Yeah, isn't
1: So it? Um, I think the first thing is that really uh, a leadership here to share the story that they can believe in. Right. They all have the same sound of this, the same communication. Pretty much like what you say, uh, I learned it from ex- Apple experience as well. Okay. Read that book and uh, really learn how they communicate, the, you know, the whole message to the, the brand ambassador, you know, genius to bring it out to the consumer. Yeah, yeah correct.
0: It's the apple of chocolate. Yeah. There you okay. go. Well, let's talk about that story then. Mm. So obviously that's a key part of how you train your staff and mm. your culture. Right. What, what is the story of Love 18? I mean, where does the name come from? Where does this, you know, what's the story behind it? Right. Uh,
1: very fundamental, you know, uh, love 18 is that uh, the combination of two components. 18 degree is the perfect temperature for chocolate. Oh, okay, right? so they're melting now. Yeah. It's a little bit
0: above. I have to eat one
1: quickly <laughs> then. Then, um, you know, love 18 is the perfect temperature for chocolate. Also, mm. it's the perfect temperature for love, right? And uh, human is that mankind, right? Yeah, human is that a mankind, coincidence? Right. Oh, um, in fact, uh, human mankind exists because of love. Right. And, you know, what we want to do is to bring up the Mm. love, you know, in every human mankind through chocolates. And that's where our tagline actually called, you know, sharing love, delivering happiness Mm. uh, through chocolates. Yeah. So when you give a box of chocolate to people, you're not just giving away your love, you're also sharing your happiness
0: away. Yeah, because it's a shared experience, isn't it? Right. I mean, apart from the fact that I'm sort of eating all these myself right now, (laughs) but you shared that with me. So you can see I'm really enjoying these chocolates. And you can share it with somebody. Mm. Yeah. So that's kind of important part of why somebody would buy them if they want to sit and share with, yeah. you know, with their loved one, with a friend or whatever. Right, so. yeah.
1: And in fact, uh, during Christmas or Chinese New Year, you see that a lot of people buy chocolate. You know, they're just buying one box for themselves. They normally will buy three box, four box, give away, share with friends.
0: Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Okay. And uh, you mentioned delivering happiness and I mm. couldn't let that one go by without sort of talking about, is that, any, that, is that a nod to Zappos at all? Or, cause no, that
1: is really coming from Tony Sia.
0: Tony Sia, right? right? So he, yeah. he's still,
1: like the CEO of Zappos, right? right? So yeah, true.
0: So you read the book or did that influence you yeah, at all? A long
1: time ago. I mean, when Tony Sia built that company, yeah. you know, uh, Zappos that want to create a happiness place, it yeah, yeah. stuck in my mind, always yeah. stuck in my mind that, you know, I, I like to create something that people really enjoy. Okay, beyond just chocolate, you know, the culture, the environment, the places that we work together coming as a team, you know, it's the family that we want to create together, yeah.
0: Some great stories there that, I mean, for those listeners or viewers that aren't aware, it's a great book to read, Delivering Happiness, so... He built that company and sold it to Amazon for a billion dollars in cash, more or less, wasn't it? You know, I mean, that was a great deal. Yeah, but you can see why Amazon would buy a brand like that because they're not just buying the brand; they're buying all that know-how about how to create an amazing service company. Right. And so, I guess this now comes down to like delivering happiness through chocolate. How would you do that? Because Zappos is famous for some quite. Uh, You know, extreme examples, like when wow. somebody would phone up, they would get shoes delivered, which they, what they were doing mostly, right. they would Correct. deliver shoes, and yeah. like, then somebody would get the shoes for their husband, but the husband had passed away, and then she would phone up customer service and say, look, I ordered the shoes, but my husband's passed away, look, can I send these back, and blah, 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 all those kind of things, and then... Right. The, for, not in the manual, but right. the customer service rep, I suppose, in the old school way of yeah. talking about it, would then phone the the lady back, or not even phone the lady back, but send flowers right. to her and say, hey, look, yeah. I'm really sorry to hear about your husband. Yeah. Didn't amazing. have to do it. Didn't have a budget to do it, but decided to do it. And it's a very human. And I know you've mentioned, right. for example, like love 18 and the right. human angle. Yeah. It's a very human thing as well. So how do you do that with chocolate? How do you do that when you sell it right. and so on
1: the very fundamental about product itself first you know uh, Mm. we offer one-to-one exchange no question asked. at any point of time they don't like it they want to return the messages that I don't like this chocolate we just change okay or you know refund or exchange back no Mm. question Mm. asked. so that's a very yeah Yeah, even some they have expired date pass already they say oh I open up it's moldy because we don't have any preservative inside you know wherever they show us there's a moldy chocolate we just exchange no question Mm. even that they are in anywhere We Deliver to them, okay. So uh, that's a very fundamental thing we do. Then the second thing is that a lot of people they came to us, they asked us to customize chocolate for you know special occasions, special days. Right, we do all the way we can, even a small quantity of 20 box customized chocolate, which normally corporations don't do. We do also,
0: right? Um, How how do those policies compare to the other brands out there in the market who do? I think no one
1: goes so far. Compared to us at all. Right. I mean, even in the Asia context, you know, because yeah. uh, a lot of chocolate company they go in more for the profit purpose. We mm. go in for creating a brand, a story, uh, a company that people are willing to come together and make something difference. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. Okay. So uh, then, how do you justify that from a profit perspective, where you know, doing a small run of twenty customized? Yeah chocolates might not be particularly profitable for you right uh, you know you're running a business mm-hmm. you know how do you then justify that not to your just to your your accountant and your investors but to your wife and to all your team as well that right. okay we're going to do this but you know maybe if you can go out and do a ten thousand order for walmart or right. something like that you can make a lot more money right. so why would you invest your time in
1: something like that no uh, because when I, i'm coming from tech so we believe in uh, you know lifetime customer journey we believe mm. in clv customer lifetime value so today it might come just by 10 you know tomorrow it might happen to another 100. so true enough we do allow this the uh, favoring uh, deals with a customer and mm. it turned out you know this will become a long-term customer sometimes be you know very good partners Okay. Right. so yeah uh, we more believe that if we are doing a human business then mm. human animals should be there that's great yeah. to hear
0: so <laughs> yeah. do you track thing? do you have metrics like like going back to Zappos as an example they pay a lot of attention to net promoter scores so repeat right. business so you talk about yeah. lifetime value right. do you track that do you measure these I mean I know it's quite complicated to build yeah. the system where, where are you uh, uh, currently that?
1: we haven't really gone into track it so what we are looking at is they are you know Order value. Mm. Okay, so um, in the next three to five years, we are aiming to drive our average order value to two hundred fifty ringgit mm. per customer. Okay, yeah. So right now it's that's about 150
0: So it's about seventy dollars. Is yeah, it eighty dollars? So yeah.
1: there's that, one small little benchmark we try yeah. to implement in-house right now. Yeah. You know, they have to talk about.
0: Yeah. yeah. And what are the challenges of growing a business like yours, where you're? to some degree dependent on location because you have your you know your outposts right. your your experiences that people can go and talk right. to your salespeople and so yeah. on and you're based in Malaysia Correct. so how do you you know you must be feeling the pressure to expand globally yeah. you right. know and take on the world
1: <laughs> what, yeah.
0: what sort of thought processes are going in your head
1: with all of this uh, I think yeah uh, attracting the light of my people to come together mm. to work on this, you know, is something that are, you know, as a challenge because uh, education has been teaching a lot of people you know, to have a very comfortable job. You know, don't get out our comfort zone or, you know, stay nine to five is good to attract people to jump in, you know, to this banger one and doing something crazy together right. with us, you know, take a lot of uh,
0: courage. You right? mean, so people leaving normal jobs right. and working with you. Yeah. Correct. Right. Yeah.
1: Because uh, what we're talking is like creating a, An Asia brand that uh, haven't been assisted exactly, exactly.
0: Yes. I mean, you know, Zappos, Amazon, Starbucks—we've thrown these brands around, but yeah. they're all from a particular part of the world, aren't right. they? And we don't have that really. Yeah, sure. And we have like Alibaba and all oh. that, but are these lifestyle brands—I don't think so. Not in the same context, yeah. yeah they? in
1: Different context. So uh, in Taiwan, you probably see a few. You know, um, they scale up to ten thousand outlets. You know, are you know, successfully. Right. Uh, a lot of it really go into human elements, so mm. that is one part of the challenge that we are learning right now because. Uh, as Malaysia offers, or Singapore as uh, this uh, Asian uh, ASEAN complex you know very much of people are educated that to be you know comfortable have a good paying job yeah. you know uh, enjoy life go travel the world it's the new lifestyle millennial
0: yeah right
1: to to convince them you know uh, start out from that comfort zone you know take Rame. a while you know, take a while to, to really you know, and
0: how do them. you do that because I'm Often faced with that challenge as well. I, you know, have started a business here in Singapore, which, like Malaysia, has a particular attitude towards taking risk, right? Right. You know, why go and start a startup when you can go and work for Maxis or you can go and work for, you know, some UOB bank, for example. Why risk it all? So how do you convince how do you get the people on board with Mm. you need people like you're a people intensive business because people are your brand right you can't just write a piece of code and you're done you need really good people not just who want to be part of a startup but also have great people skills right Right. so where are you getting these people from how do you get them on board
1: well, uh, in a very holistic way, really pray for the right people to come. Right. But, uh, yeah, the other way is really, uh, you know, is the experience I've uh, gathered for the past 10 years in the startup uh, ecosystem is really, you know, um, to inspire people more into, you know, looking their life, you know, where, mm. what are the areas that they will feel regret if they don't do it today? And take that into a context where, you know, people like, to, I want to travel the world, I want to have this, I want to have that. Put that into the context of this business. How can this platform, um, you know, I, I don't call this Love 18 as a business. I call it as a platform that can enable the young people today. Let's say a Singaporean who joined mm. us would like to post to China to work for one year. Okay, if you have an outlet in China, they can go there one year, see the world, but at the same time, you know, enjoy. And they have the same skill that they can learn, you know, and reply again. Mm. And then after one year, they want to be in Australia. All right. to see the world for five years before you really choose where you understand it now. Okay, you know the world is flat today, unlike you know last time. You can really practically work in any any space of the world. So that's a platform we want to create. Yeah. You know, uh, for the for the workforce, and we we currently started it. You know. Uh, How does that work? I'm, I'm coaching a uh, three to four you yeah. know uh, young people to come together, uh, to build this. So two of them joining me this trip to mm. really explore and really see that you know be part of it. You know, don't just observe but be part of it. Uh, be part of creating these things.
0: Right. Very interesting. So you, yeah. you're—I mean—in theory, if you were to look at what you're offering, travel the world, work in a startup, eat chocolate, yeah—you know, just, happy. <laughs> be happy. Right. You can't really argue with that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting what you're doing. And I wonder if, like, the challenge for you—and uh, you know, any startup's a challenge—it's not specific to you. Right. With what you're doing, is that you um, you need really good people. Right. And to attract really good people, you need to have quite a high profile as a person beyond the brand itself. So, yeah. like Tiny Shay from Zappos, as an example, is a very high profile person. You know, he's done books, he's done TED, he's done all these kind of things. Right. And, um, you know, Asia isn't the natural place for people to do this. We don't have that sort of wealth of people like that coming through as role models and so on. And at the same time, you have to run a business on on the side, so to speak. So what do you, you know, to attract these sort of talented individuals, these visionaries to come and join you and create this platform that you talk about, have you thought about how you're going to get your your Eddie Mm -hmm. brand out, Eddie Lee? So how are you going to get out there and you know, inspire young people at the same time grow a profitable business?
1: Well, I'll say that pretty difficult. Yeah. So I do in the very small skills, you know, instead of going out and reach out to 100 people at one time and, you know, sharing them inspiring story, it choose to be a lot more in the one-on-one or in Facebook. If you really uh, feel that you're boring about what you're doing today, you know, come to me, talk that we can explore some new opportunity. Then, you know, the last post, I got two very talented people join me. One is a lawyer practicing for law for many years want to turn entrepreneur and no one is from a media company that you know want to do something extraordinary yeah
0: yeah oh, that's amazing isn't it right. i'm sure like you, i mean you said pray for the people to come to you i don't think it's quite i mean i i understand what you're trying to do right. i don't think it's praying but i think what you have to do is you put yourself out there and those people that you want are actively looking for something. Right. And they're just waiting for somebody to open a door for them, right? And that's yeah. kind of what you're doing, isn't it? You're sort of saying, true. hey, look, look at what we're doing. We're building something. they're like, that's what I want to do. That's the project right. I want to be involved in. It yeah. just sort of speaks to me. I yeah. like what these guys are doing, right? right. So yeah, you've got to get yourself out there. I mean, and great. I mean, you know, on the podcast as well is one way of doing it. right? Yeah, more of this, because I think you've got something... It could be interesting. I mean, and like you said, like to do this in the context of Asia, like the Asian lifestyle brand, right. I'm thinking through, it's like, what do we have out there that's of a similar category? Yeah.
1: There's that, something still very vacuum. I mean, uh, today, if I ask you if there's any top of mind brand for you on chocolates or hammock, you know, good quality chocolate you want to eat, right. any top of mind brand that come into
0: your mind. Good or
1: uh, Julian or something yeah, like that. I, I don't discriminate them, but, but just think about it. Those chocolate they come into here, they mm. stay on the shelf for a few months before you really pick them up. <laughs> right? So, you know, fresh quality chocolates. All right, right? Now, There's no you know, top of mind that people can think of, especially when it comes to Asia context. Yeah, And the first thing I ask my wife, why we want to pay a very expensive price for something? Mm. Right? Which, if we can produce it and offer it to a locally affordable price. So, yeah, part of this concept actually union you know, business model come from this uh, Uniqlo Zara they teach us a very good lesson about this mm. you can do quality products at affordable price right yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, c I, uh, I see. degrees uh, bakery shop in Taiwan you know they make it very successful so they use premium ingredient at affordable price and right. that's where they have 10,000 outlets you know it's a small bakery shop that turn to a, you know 10,000 yeah, yeah. billion dollars
0: well, do, when you you coming. mentioned Uniqlo as an example I think it's right. a fantastic example I mean yeah. I am dressed in Uniqlo uh, today okay brand advertising <laughs> yeah here you go I'm not getting sponsored but I guess you know what are they doing I mean what's applicable to chocolate yeah. in terms of how they approach that, like you said to produce quality Products. at an affordable price yes you know what are they doing that you know the, the higher end brands aren't doing how, how have they sort of captured that market I mean if you go to Zara as an example right, one of the yeah. most profitable companies in the world yeah. so yeah. correct so well, you see
1: you know if you take Zara incompatible to Amani or Burberry yeah. they have a lot of profit but you know how they position themselves is that you are wearing a money quality you know, apparel at Zara price. Mm. Okay. They don't compare themselves to the all the mass you know, uh, market, but they compare themselves to you You are wearing as trendy as a Mali, trendy as a burberry at a, mm. know, Zara price. Right. Okay. So you are eating a love eating chocolate, yeah. you know, as comparable to Godiva at, at love eating price.
0: Right. <laughs> Does that, I mean, I wonder how much Location has to do with it because you're from Penang right. in Malaysia, which is famous for well, as far as I see it, from my perspective, laksa and food in yeah. Malaysian food, right? right? It has a food culture, doesn't it? Quite strong, yeah, very strong in it's Malaysia. BBT,
1: yeah, about food, and it's
0: quite sort of like a lot of street food, isn't it? Yeah, like, that's and it, It's sort of very honest, mm. good quality. It's not pretentious food in any way. It's not right. sort of like you know the the haute couture of yeah. Food, is it? Yeah, street food. Exactly. And I wonder how much that's influenced your branding. Because you you mentioned, for example, like with the the clothing market, Mm. you know, Zara came from Spain. Right. As opposed to it didn't come from Milan or Paris, right? So, you know, know, if you you had grown up in Belgium, (laughs) you know, you'd be treating chocolate maybe in a different way. You'd be like, it'd be heretical if you went in and said, look, we're going to produce it at this price and this quality. People are like, no, you can't do that. It's impossible. Right. So how has that influenced you, your your background from Penang? Is there sort of a Penang sort yeah. of DNA in what you do? Right. So,
1: um, yeah, that that's why. I mean, Penang, we're very particular about good food, right? So the chocolates, you know, before we really rolling out, we are very particular that, you know, will the taste really good. Right. So... We spent nearly one year to sample, you know, with anyone that we can reach to ask for their opinion, ask for their feedback until we really get the right, you know, uh, recipe out. And, right. and that's where we roll. And, you know, in the first three months, when we rolled it out, then instantly it was picked up by the newspaper. You know, our first uh, interview, second interview all happened in the first six months. You mm. know, that, that, that they come in, you know, because, yeah, that, that, that particularly, you know, uh, demand for the quality or the taste of the food itself, you know, it's rooted in the Penang. Penang. Yes. Are you yeah. fussy
0: eaters in Penang?
1: Not fussy eater, but we appreciate good food. Ah, okay. the taste. You know, the taste, yeah, you know, the aroma. Yeah. You know, the experience. Right,
0: right. Yeah. And, and, and you've we've mentioned Japan already as well. It's like I mean I spent I lived in Japan for a a long time, so there's a real, similar, there's an appreciation for food, which uh, coming from England, as an example, by comparison, we don't really have that. It's sort of at a very young age, they learn food and what makes, like you talk about ingredients, what makes real food, like there's a real, even though they have McDonald's in Japan, for example, and they will eat it. They will appreciate, the, right. for example, they, they know appreciate. like all the names of the fish. Yes, correct. Or they know what a vegetable is. Right. <laughs> so, like some places yeah. in England, like they, they won't know what an avocado or broccoli yeah. is, right? But there's that real appreciation. Yeah. What is that sort of a Penang thing as well? Do yeah. they have that sort of rooted correct. in the culture? Yeah, I think we we
1: appreciate the taste. You know, uh, yeah. that if in, in Penang hawker food, if there's the taste is not good, you know, this shop not going to be last for six months. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. You will because people will just you know. Don't come. Yeah, you know, they just get them for one time. That's all. That's great, right? So, um, it's in our nature, in our DNA, that you know, food have to taste good. Yeah, you know, it's like in Japan, you or know, the art it's become an art. Yeah, and then yeah. just being just food only. You know.
0: Yeah, in in you know, this is part of the, the bigger story that you're telling, isn't it? We mentioned Starbucks as an example. Is yeah. that you know that the Starbucks story um, started when Howard Schultz went to Italy and he saw baristas, you know, like. They loved the coffee. They didn't. Exactly, they didn't just like pour yeah. it. They, right. you know, they made love to the coffee. It was like exactly, an art, and yeah. all those sort of like movements and tamping the, yeah. the the granules and the the beans and all this sort of thing. It was a it was a real art, and that, you know, that's how they built that Starbucks brand, right? right. It was exactly. sort of that sort of original sort of Italian flavor, right. Italian culture that really, you know, Italians are so fussy about coffee. They won't touch any of the sort of stuff that I drink. So. Right. You know, I think how important that is for Love 18 is to, that DNA of your brand, which comes from Penang. Right. You know, it's, it's it's all about your authenticity, isn't it? And that people can't challenge that. It's like, you know, we come from a place where we take our food seriously and we know what good food is and yeah. we're not pretentious about it. Right. And you know, how important that is in that story that you're telling. Yeah. It's great. I love <laughs> it. It's, it's, a, it's a great story. And, you know, I, I really have enjoyed speaking to you, Eddie, and I, I, think that, you know, I, I really dig what you're trying to do because, you know, the names that you've brought up today mm. normally are talked about in the context of, you know, like tech startups, right. right? You know, it's like you talked about Zappos and talked about Starbucks and all these kind of examples, but mm. what you're doing for chocolate, I think, I, I th- sit back and think about it is that it's it is uh, interesting territory. There aren't many people in this space yeah. doing what you are doing.
1: Yeah, just to add on to you see, you know, uh, firstly, is chocolate is the only few commodity or uh, food products that you can sell to practically everyone in the world. You know, the second one will be mineral water. Yeah, right. And secondly, is that you know, uh, chocolate companies tend to have a very long shelf life. I come from IT background, so we know that you know they tend to have this uh, product life cycle. Chocolates. It's been a 200 years industry already, and it's still growing. Asia still have 5.5 percent component growth. Rate. Right. You know, uh, so in, in any industry, you see that you know after 10, 20 years, 50 years it start to go down already. Mm. Chocolate is still growing.
0: It's been around forever. Yeah. And it will be around forever, right? Yes. And it's something <laughs> uh, when you think of chocolate, it makes everybody happy.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? True. Yeah. I don't think anybody, um, okay, there may be people who dislike certain types of chocolate, but it is one of those things, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And
1: so what happened is that, you know, throughout the engagement with a customer, we realized that a lot of customers who are, first we serve them with chocolate, they say, you know, I- I'm not a chocolate fan, so I don't eat chocolate for lies. But when they taste our chocolate, yeah. you know, things change.
0: Yeah, a light switches on. <laughs> yeah. So uh, before, I, before I let you go, um, I obviously want to ask you about your personal preferences for chocolate because mm-hmm. I'm sure you've sampled a lot. Right. And you, ma- maybe your taste buds have matured and evolved as you got into like really sampling chocolate and looking mm-hmm. at it from different angles. What, what do you like? Well,
1: our first thing about chocolates, I really love a single origin chocolate. I mean, you know, chocolate is like coffee. You have single origin, you have blend
0: right oh, okay yeah, like i didn't yeah. know oh, there you go
1: right so um you know originally chocolate is from uh, south america so yeah. particularly i really love uh, venezuela chocolates okay
0: yeah. so they, what would that be they, they
1: have a very different uh aroma and taste it's like coffee okay uh it just make you feel different.
0: How is it? Sort of a bitter taste? Is it dark? Is yeah. it what? Yeah. Uh, what sort of t-
1: Venezuela chocolate mostly are dark. Uh, okay. People produce it for dark chocolate. Then uh, they tend to be slightly bitter, but they have a very strong uh, aroma after taste mm. Okay, that uh, it is like coffee when you taste it. Then only you you know how. It just can experience it, but very difficult to. Yeah, explain it in word, uh, right? Yeah, but that that, that uh, kickback of the word, and the, the aroma itself is really, really right, right. Yeah, different. And
0: what sort of levels of cacao would they have in that? Um,
1: so yeah, it depends on the producer. Some yeah. they have a sixty-five percent, some they have seventy-two percent. Yeah, yeah. You know, we tasted the raw uh, cocoa beans uh, yeah. all the way from Venezuela. It's really, really good.
0: Is it? Yeah. Oh.
1: So my next visit, I will bring you that aroma. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> right. Awesome, mm. Eddie Lee. Everybody, um, Love Eighteen. Where, where do we find out more about you? Where's oh. the best place to go and yeah, check you out? Um,
1: yeah, you can check us out at our our Facebook page, uh, Love 18cc That's our official our uh, Facebook page mm. or our website, Love Eighteen Cafe C A F E You know, our, that's where you can interact with us. Um, you know, follow us in our Instagram, Love Eighteen Chocolates yeah. as
0: well. Yeah, and also, I mean, you know, so those people are listening you know, could be a very wide set of potential listeners, everything from potential investors to people who just love chocolate and want to eat the stuff, to people who want to work for you as well and be part of this. I mean, to to the last group of people, we mentioned them already, what kind of people are you interested in? So if I was listening to this thinking, I love what these guys are doing, Mm -hmm. they're speaking to my heart, how do I get involved? We've talked about how they can get in contact with you, but what kind of people particularly would you really like to hear from?
1: No, I think uh, everyone inside, deep inside their heart, they have a voice that they want to do something. Yeah. Okay, they want to travel the world. They, they want to be involved in the community. So, uh, you know, on the context, we are training a group of, um, you know, in the autumn we call it management training. You know, okay, these are the people that are going to bring our product into different country. Mm. You know, uh, I can't go to... 2030 country and open market. I you know, need a group of people who are passionate about different countries. Come to us, join us our team. You know, be the legacy of you know, Earth in any other countries that you want to bring to. Uh, I always tell the team, okay, we are the platform. Yeah. You choose where you want to go. You know, be part of this two. You just need to train on the marketing of the products and the production of the product, and you can be there. All right? It's like how you know stuff will train the barrister, they can go everywhere and train other people.
0: There you yeah. go everybody. Right. That is an open invite. If <laughs> I ever heard one to go and make something and do something special as well. Eddie, it's yeah. been a real pleasure having you on right. the show Thanks. today. Thanks. Thanks. really enjoyed it and particularly um pleasurable eating my way through your chocolates. And right. these these were I uh, actually the the ones I really enjoyed were those yeah. the, the Nama chocolates. Nama I, I really like yeah. those. Yeah, I could, I'm glad they're on that side of the table because I would have just eaten a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Thank you so hey, much hey, Eddie for coming you, in hey, today. Thank you. Have a good You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.